0: Um, I want to share with you something this morning that I'm simply entitling how to measure your spiritual maturity. How to measure your spiritual maturity. Here's a question. How much do you think you have grown in your faith since the start of lockdown on the 23rd of March? It's been a very unusual period. We've not been able to physically meet together and many of the sort of spiritual props that we have often taken for granted were suddenly all knocked away and it's as if we were isolated in our own homes uh, without that warmth and connection of fellowship in one another's presence. So I just asked that question this morning, how much do you think you have grown spiritually during this time of lockdown. It's a hard question and it's probably quite difficult to quantify but if your Christian life is healthy then it will grow whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. Now do you remember when you were a small child um, having a measuring chart on the wall or have you done that for your own children Uh, I noticed one the other day in our daughter's home for her two little girls, because it was a great way of just seeing how the children grow. Um, Our children grow out of their shoes and their clothes long before they wear them out. Growth is normal and natural in a healthy body. And of course it should be no different in the Christian life we are to grow spiritually. In 1 Peter 2 verse two, Peter says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk, so that you will grow into your full experience of salvation. And then in 2 Corinthians 10, 15, Paul writes to the Christians at Corinth, and he says, our hope is that, as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you Will greatly expand. Jesus, I think, picked up this important point in John 15 verse 8 when he said to his disciples, when you produce much fruit you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. As as a tree or a fruit tree, a bush matures, it becomes increasingly fruitful. Uh, Dr. Neil Anderson, who wrote a book called Victory Over Darkness, he said, ultimately, every Christian is responsible for his or her own maturity and freedom in Christ. Nobody can make you grow. That is your decision and daily responsibility. So do you think you've grown spiritually during lockdown Or have you shrunk? Or have you been spiritually dormant? Only you can kind of make the assessment to that question. But spiritual stature is really very, very important. And the Apostle Paul was concerned about the immaturity of the Christians at the church in Galatia because he said in Galatians 4 verse 19, oh my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains again for you. They will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. That's God's heart. That's God's plan for each and every one of us. And I want us just to go to Ephesians chapter 4 for a kind of a key text, a key verse of scripture to root what I want to share with you. In the next moment so Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 sort of sets the scene for what Paul goes on to say because in verse 1 of Ephesians 4 Paul says I'm a prisoner but I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God and then he goes on if we pick up from verse 11 He said, these gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will be, not be influenced by people who try to trick us with lies so clever that it sounds like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That word grow and growing is mentioned a few times there. But the, the key verse is verse 13, and I'll just read it again from the New King James. It says, till we all come to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man or woman, to the measure of the stature of of the fullness of Christ. There used to be a time when I was taller than all of my grandsons. Um, now they're beginning to outstrip me. My eldest grandson Ben is 6 foot 6, 6 foot 7 and um, he just towers above us. Um, growth is normal, growth is natural and it's important. Last Tuesday night, we had a great prayer evening together and there was a prophetic word given to us about Level 10. And it was simply this, that at this time, it is as if Level 10 is in dry dock. It's being repaired, maybe, being freshly equipped. It's going to be taking on new crew members, all those things that happen to a ship while it's in dry dock. But level 10 will need mature, spiritually grown-up people to take it on its mission when the time comes to sail. And I believe that God will keep us in dry dock until he believes we are spiritually mature enough to go on the mission that he has destined for us as a church. I remember um, many, many years ago here in Southampton when the QE2 was in dry dock and I was able just to wander freely into the dock and Janice and I walked right down and right underneath the ship. It was amazing. Uh, It was amazing to see this ship in dry dock and to go right underneath it. But there were some gates at the other end that didn't look too thick. And if they were breached, then millions of tons of water would suddenly come in and the ship would float. And of course, that's what happens. And I believe that the time will come for level 10 when the gates that are holding back the river of God will be removed. And we will rise and float on the river of God's spirit because I really believe that God is going to visit our nation. But unless we are mature, we will be like a ship without a rudder, without purpose or destiny. And I really believe that that's a prophetic word about dry dock that we need to pray into to get further understanding as to what God wants us to realize about level 10 at this particular time. But let me just give you a few things that came to my mind as to what it means to be spiritually mature. What are the signs? There there could be many things, but I've just drawn a few things that I hope will help us this morning. The first one is when I can still worship God, having lost everything. We had read to us from Elias that passage in Job chapter one. um, Job was a wealthy man. But God allowed him to be used to prove to Satan that he was a man who would still worship God if he lost everything material in his life. Jesus said on one occasion, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Luke 12 verse 15. And you will remember the occasion in the New Testament when a rich young man came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what do I have to do that I might inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, keep the commandments. He said, I've done all that since I was a boy. And then Jesus saw that there was a great stumbling block in his life. He said, well, you need to sell all your possessions, give it away to the poor and then follow me. And the young man couldn't do it because his possessions were too important to him. Now, there's nothing wrong with possessions. But when material things become idols in our lives and our possessions begin to possess us, then we are in serious spiritual trouble. Because God said, you are to have no other gods before me. And that's the problem with material things, that they can eventually become things that possess us and they can hinder our spiritual growth and maturity. Job realized the importance. He says the Lord gave, the Lord take away, and God is still worthy of praise. Whether I have much, whether I have little, or whether I have nothing, I am still going to worship and praise God. He recognized that nothing of what he possessed was the first priority in his life. His first priority was God and seeking and praising and worshiping him. That is a sign of spiritual maturity. I remember back in the 1970s when the IRA were conducting many awful bombing campaigns, particularly in Belfast. I heard this story of a Christian couple who owned a a business, it was a shop on, on one of the streets in Belfast, and one Saturday night the IRA planted a bomb outside of their shop and it exploded and blew their business to smithereens. They viewed what was left, and it was nothing. Everything had gone, their whole business was destroyed. Sunday morning, they were on the front row of their church with their hands raised, worshiping and praising God, despite their circumstances. You see, the scripture says, in everything, give thanks. Not for everything, but in everything, give thanks. And it is a sign of spiritual maturity when we can still worship God when we lose things, when things are taken away from us, when things that are perhaps dear and precious to us are gone. It's a sign of our spiritual maturity that we can still worship him and see that God is above everything else. Paul said in Romans 12 verse 1, this is the Message Bible, so here is what I want you to do, God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. And that's really it. Everything we possess, it needs to be offered up to God so that he has all that there is of each and every one of us. The late Rabbi Zacharias said this, Worship is a posture of life that takes as its primary purpose the understanding of what it really means to love and to revere God. So the first sign of spiritual maturity is that I can still worship God when I lose everything. The second sign is when God's will is accepted over and above my will. Do you remember just prior to the cross, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, and in Luke 22, verse 42, we've got those words where Jesus is praying in absolute agony, and he says, Father, I don't wanna go through this. In his total humanity, he says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me. But then he adds, it's not about my will, it's about your will being done. The mind, will, and emotions are three powerful controllers of our lives. What we are, we think. What we do, we feel is good to us. And our choices determine our destiny. We live in a very confused world, and to quote, Rabbi Zacharias again, he was right when he said, how do you reach a generation that hears with its eyes and thinks with its feelings? That typifies the confusion that is so often prevalent in our world so far as the mind, will, and the emotions are concerned. And the battle for the will is incredibly strong because when temptation is very appealing, our willpower, is challenged enormously. We see that in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, the temptation to take of the fruit. And Satan comes along and he challenges Adam and Eve's willpower. Were they willing to live in obedience to God, or were they willing to yield to temptation and to take the fruit? And of course we know what happened. Paul recognizes this in Romans 7. He, he's, he's a powerful follower of Jesus, but he says, you know, I still have inner struggles with my old life. The good I want to do, I don't do. And, and, and the, 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 the bad that I don't want to do, I find I end up doing it. And he says, what a wretched man I am. Who is going to deliver me from this internal struggle that I have in trying to do the will of God? And then he says, I thank God that through Christ Jesus, I can prevail. And then Jesus, at the start of his ministry in the wilderness, when he fasted for 40 days, and then Satan comes and says, Jesus, you're thirsty, you're hungry, you've got the power to turn these stones into bread, do it and feed yourself. And Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by everything that's in accordance with the word of God. You see, our will will always be challenged. And spiritual maturity, a sign of spiritual maturity is when my when God's will is accepted over and above my own will. And Job said in chapter 31 verse one, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. He knew that he could be tempted but he dealt with it by making this covenant so that he would live his life in accordance with the will and purpose of God. The psalmist picks it up. He says, how can a young man stay pure? By obeying your word, by choosing God's word over and above my will. And in 1 John 2:17, it says the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And we can make that mistake we so strongly desire something that we pursue it rather than saying God is this your will for my life is this your choice for me is this where you want me to be spiritual maturity is when God's will is over and above anything that is of my will Jesus gave some very clear advice and he lived according to this himself when he said, the first and most important thing is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else you need in life will be added to you. Matthew 6, that is such a great verse when it comes to trying to understand the will of God and setting his will over and above my own personal will. The third thing that I think is a sign of spiritual maturity is when I fully understand and practice mercy and grace. When I fully understand and practice mercy and grace. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, by grace you are saved, through faith it is not of yourself, it is the gift of God. We used to, well we sung a song occasionally and one line goes like this, mercy and grace are mine, forgiven is my sin. Yet I sometimes feel that that might not always be our practice towards others. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. You see, mercy takes the eyes off of yourself and your own selfish desires. Mercy takes the focus away from you and puts it on others. Showing mercy is the best way to deal with low self-esteem because it stops you looking at yourself and it helps you to see others. Jesus said, when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness from others, your Father will withhold his forgiveness from you. Are you quick and eager to forgive? Are you ready and quick to show mercy? Is grace something that naturally flows out from you when people offend you, when people hurt you, when people wrongly use you and abuse you? Is grace a part of your nature? Is mercy a part of your heart and attitude? It says in Proverbs 28, verse 7: Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing. But those who close their eyes to, the, to poverty will be cursed. Jesus said you will always have the poor with you. And Jesus constantly showed mercy, constantly showed grace in the way that he ministered. And a sign of spiritual maturity is that we will fully understand and practice the principles of showing mercy and grace. Because of the grace and mercy that we have received through the Lord Jesus Christ. Two more things as we draw this together. The fourth thing, this is a sign of spiritual maturity, is that when I can love others the way that Jesus loves me, when I can love others the way that Jesus loves me, we live in a culture that tends to love conditionally. You please me, and I will please you. You scratch my back, and I will scratch your back. Love is very cheap today, because it's very much feeling focused. Since we are conditioned to believe that life is about me, what I want, what I desire, what makes me happy, what makes me feel good, we have so trivialized and minimized what love is all about. And that great passage that uh, Jocelyn read to us earlier was so powerfully teaching us what true love is all about. Jesus showed that love in action. He showed it as an action and as an attitude, and that it's not just a feeling. In our culture, love is a feeling, but it's not. Love is always a choice. And the Bible says that God is love. That's his heart, that's his character, that's his nature. But then his love is expressed when it says, God so loved the world that he gave. True love is expressed in action by expressing the love of God in the way in which we live and lead our lives. And maturity in Christ means that we will obey the new commandment that Jesus says, love one another. And the way we love one another, he says, just as I have loved you, you should love one another. So think for a moment, how does Jesus love us? Well, The first way he loves us is sacrificially. He laid down his life for each and every one of us. He believed that we were earth dying for. But he also loves us unconditionally. Nothing of your past will ever stop God loving you, and nothing of your future will ever change his love for you, to quote Philip Yancey. That is the nature of God's love. And that is the way he wants us to love one another, unconditionally. But then God also loves us continually. He doesn't have off days. He doesn't get in a bad mood with us. He doesn't ever turn his back on us. His love is constant. It is always there. It never ever changes. And Paul points this out in in the saying that this is how a husband should love his wife. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. So you wives have got permission this morning to call upon your husband to love you sacrificially, unconditionally, and continually. And from time to time Janice reminds me of that because it is my responsibility and the responsibility of the every husband. A wife who is rightly loved and led by a husband will have no problem in loving him in return. So a sign of spiritual maturity is when I can love others the way that Jesus loves me. And then finally this morning, before we break into groups, is simply this. Spiritual maturity is when I can accept without resentment or blame whatever life throws at me. Job chapter 3 and verse um, Job chapter 2 and verse 3 it simply says this then the lord asked satan have you noticed my servant job he's the finest man in all the earth he is blameless a man of complete integrity he fears god strays away from evil he has maintained his, in- his integrity even though you urged him me to harm him without cause when I can accept without resentment or blame whatever life throws at me. In all of Job's time of miserable suffering, when he had lost everything, he was covered with boils, he is reduced to skin and bone. He never once cursed God. And God gives this account. I, I think God must have been incredibly proud of Job. Because God says these words, he is blameless. this. He is a man of complete integrity. He fears me. He stays away from evil. He has maintained his integrity. This was God writing Job's CV. This was Job, God giving a reference for Job to Satan. What an amazing thing that God can say about him. And the Apostle Paul, he sort of summed it up in a similar way. He suffered much in serving God, Paul was beaten and went through all manner of torment in serving Jesus, but he simply said this, he said, I've learned by now to be quite content with all my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy whether I'm full or hungry, whether I've got my hands full or my hands empty. Whatever I have, whatever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am Philippians 4 11 and 12 when I can accept without resentment or blame whatever throws at me life throws at me that's a sign of spiritual maturity so five things I just wanted to highlight first of all when I can still worship God having lost everything when God's will is accepted over and above my will, when I fully understand and practise mercy and grace, when I can love others the way that Jesus loves me, and when I can accept without resentment or blame whatever life throws at me. We have just looked at some key attitudes in the scriptures that I believe are significant pointers to spiritual maturity. And I want to, all of us, I want to continue to grow. We must never, ever stop growing in our faith. There never comes a point where we have reached full maturity in Christ. That will only happen when we stand in heaven in God's presence. But until then, we continue to grow and feed ourselves and nurture ourselves through serving Jesus Christ. Let's pray for a moment before we go into breakout rooms. Father, we thank you that you've set your affection upon us. We thank you that by your Holy Spirit you want to nurture us and nourish us and feed us so that we grow and increasingly reach for the stature of the fullness that we see in Christ Jesus. Father, continue to shape us and mould us and make us more like Jesus, we pray. In his precious name, Amen.